friends. Welcome to the Skyline Church Podcast. I'm Jonathan Middlebrooks, one of the pastors here at Skyline Church. Skyline is a worshiping community, a disciple-making community, and a generational community. We're committed to seeing revival in our city sparked through the presence of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. These sermons are specific to that purpose and in the context of our unique community. We hope that it might bless you in some way. Enjoy. in prayer, if you just close your eyes just for a second, if you would, maybe just open your palms and put them on your knees. Just take a posture of of openness and prayer to Jesus this morning and and just had a thought of just um, to acknowledge the reality um, right now that the spirit of the living God, if you're a Christian in this room, you've accepted Jesus as your master, Lord, and Savior. He has put his spirit in you. Ezekiel 36, 27, I want you to hear this. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. The indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit is a promise of God. And so right now, Jesus, I ask that you would give us an awareness of that deep and profound truth that you gave us your Holy Spirit to live in us and that your spirit within us can testify to the truth this morning, can testify to your word. I pray that you would bring living water. I love that verse. You said, anyone who's thirsty, come to me and I'll cause rivers of living water to come out of you. And it says he was talking about the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that we would feel a bubbling in, our, in the center of our being right now. Like we would know that you're real, that you live in us, and that you want to show us Jesus this morning. You love to reveal Jesus to people. So come right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, uh, so glad to be with you and to share um, Uh, Something the Lord put on my heart in the context of this series we've been in called Encounters with Jesus. And and this is kind of a a series of series uh, because we started with a series about beholding Jesus, that discipleship begins with beholding. We believe that an encounter with the real and living God is the basis of all discipleship, that Jesus wants to reveal himself to human beings, that you can see him, hear him, know him, feel him, experience his reality, even though we're flesh and blood and he's now in heaven, we know that he can reveal himself to you in profound ways and that those things constitute the foundation for a life of following him, of obeying him, of knowing him, understanding his will. Um, And then we moved into a a series, I think it was post-Christmas, about people beholding the resurrected Jesus. Like after Jesus came back from the dead, what was he doing on the earth as he met with people and he revealed himself in a new way to people and now we're going backwards in the story. We've gone back to the flesh and blood life and teaching of Jesus to see what happens when human beings encounter him. And so we've talked about lepers being healed. We've talked about a a sinful woman who anointed him with oil. We talked about a a woman uh, with a bleeding issue who grabbed the hem of his garment and was healed. We've just had these encounters. We talked about Lazarus and and Mary and Martha and what happened. And and so um, this morning we're going to be in Mark 2. If you've got your Bible, you can grab one in the pew or you can jump on your phone this morning. But 
this story we're going to read, it really answers some core questions for us as human beings. Um, As we walk through the world and as we encounter trials and tribulations and temptation, all these things, where do you go when you hit the end of your rope? When you've exhausted, yes, what do we have? Oh, you're waving at me. I thought you were waving at me. I was like, hi, Shelby. (laughs) That's hilarious. I was like... Do I have something on me? I was like, I don't know, something's wrong. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's awesome. I love it. I get a wave from the Wilsons every once in a while just while I'm preaching. I love it. It's awesome. It's amazing. Uh, so, uh, so this idea about like what happens, what do you do when you reach the end of the rope? And, and I think um, the question is, or not the question, but the reality is every single person in this room will hit a moment in your life where you have exhausted all of your resources to solve a problem. You will face a problem that all of your money, all of your intellect, all of your relational capital, everything you possess as an earthly human will run out and that thing will still be staring you in the face. And what do you do when that happens? Like, and especially like, what do Christians do? Um, And not only that, but what do we do for others? When someone in our circle or a coworker or a neighbor or a family member, when we watch other people get to that place, what do we do with them? What's the answer? You know, because what happens many times is you get to this place where you end up where someone has exhausted all their resources and then somebody else shows up and you know what they do? They suggest all the things they've already done. You know how annoying that is? Just read the book of Job when you're there like, have you tried this? You're like, yeah, I'm not an idiot. I tried that. (laughs) Have you tried this? Yes. You know, I tried that too. And they just, you're like, are we going to go through everything? And I'm going to say, yes, 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 yes. I did all those things. And still, this is where I find myself with no answer, with no relief right? With no change in the situation. So Mark 2, if you've got it there, says a few days later, right? uh, uh, Jesus has been healing people. He's been starting his ministry. And uh, and a few days after this, he enters uh, uh, Capernaum, um, which I know that's a weird way to say it, but it's actually like the official pronunciation. It feels weird, but it's Capernaum. So the, the people heard that he had come home So many gathered there that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him, uh, get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was laying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Isn't that interesting? Their faith activated forgiveness for somebody else. I don't know what that all means. That's amazing, though. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. This man, Jesus, we've never known or heard about another man like this. This is different. This isn't just a teacher. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a godly man. Where he goes, supernatural things follow him. Like, we get to experience the power and presence of God when this man shows up in our village. 
something gets activated, something gets unlocked or unleashed where Jesus shows up. So I love this passage. What's, what's happening here? It's really fascinating that the first thing that happens is Jesus displays his authority over both realms. The first thing he does is forgive his sins, which shows his authority in the spiritual realm. He goes, I actually have the ability to solve the deepest core problem in your life, which is sin. And this is really instructive for us today, because if we're not careful, we'll think people's biggest problems are poverty or sickness or struggle or anxiety, and we won't address the root of every problem. That God says, when sin broke into the world, it marred human beings and it infected us and the culture and everything we create. So what we get out of the world many times are these kind of things. So Jesus displays his power and authority over the spiritual realm. And then what does he do? After that, he, destroys, he uh, displays his power and authority over the physical realm. He's like, oh, you, I'm, I'm doing the hard work first. But you think that's a big deal. Okay, I'll do that as well. He says there's nothing, right? And he ends um, his time with the disciples in Matthew 8 where he says, All authority on earth, uh, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Just so you know, I hold the keys. The the vision and revelation, I see one who holds the keys to Hades and death. He, He holds everything. He says, I have the power to deal with what you need. I love this because they're encountering Jesus in his real presence. So he, he does this first, right? He displays his authority. And then what's really fascinating, he deals with these people according to their faith, which is really instructive because like, how does Jesus deal with me? What is the thing, right? Because everyone has like little things in their life that like, hey, if I want to show up and meet with this person, I got to know how to approach them. Right? Anybody have this where you're like, hey, if I know I'm going to um, talk to this person. Um, uh, so uh, Annie's dad is one of the wisest people I've ever met. And we have realized if, if we approach him with a, pro- uh, a problem, we, we need to approach him with a problem to be solved. Because if you bring him a problem to be solved, it's, he, his, it's like something activates and it's just amazing. I'm like, oh, that's what I need to do. Uh, my, my, I'm very similar. So Annie's knows this. If you approach me with just a thought off the cuff, I might give you an answer that comes out really fast and may not be the most helpful thing, right? And so she's learned, like, when she approaches me, like, hey, I need your help. Can you help me think about this? Not like, hey, this thing happened. I'm like, I'll do this. I'm like, here's three things because I'm really smart. And then she's like, that wasn't helpful at all. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's this interesting thing about, okay, if I have a need and I'm coming to God, how do I approach him? And Jesus says, listen, I see and love faith. Like, he's like, if, if you want to come to me, bring faith, even if it's as tiny as a mustard seed. He's got great vision. He can see the smallest amount of faith, and he's like, I love faith. Why? Because faith is belief that he has the power and authority over sin, sickness, death, hell. It's this trust that you're the one who could fix all of this. Now, there's no guarantee that he's going to do everything that we want or need or ask in that moment, but he is the one who can. And our faith is what activates the possibility for our breakthrough. So Jesus, and it's really fascinating. So in this, Jesus discerns their thoughts, but he sees their faith. So this is a huge breakthrough for me. 
right? So many times we think that our faith is some internal reality that we have to believe and muster up and walk around and, and kind of quiet and just trust that God discerns our faith. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. The faith I really love is the faith that demonstrates itself in concrete action. These four men, because they had faith in Jesus, they said, let's go. Pick up the mat. We're carrying this guy. Who knows how far? And, and I, I think we think about like, oh, they probably had a mat with like poles on it. It's like, it was a mattress. Have you guys ever tried to carry a mattress without a human in it? It's not easy. It's floppy. And like, now, now put a, a grown man in that mattress and go like, hey, you're going to walk two miles with somebody who has no balance, they can't adjust themselves, they're just laying their dead weight, and you're going to carry that thing. Those guys are like, let's go, pick up the mat. And it's interesting that he told the, the paralytic to pick up his mat and walk. Well, they, they had already done that by faith. They picked up his mat and walked him to Jesus. Because their faith was like, if we could just get him, and this is the story of this whole series, if we could just get near him, everything could change. If we could just get in his presence, everything could change. But Jesus saw the concrete reality of their faith, and what's funny is he heard their faith first. <laughs> Can you imagine if we're just sitting here, all of a sudden you're like, in this building it'd be like a squirrel or something, right? In our, or, or a bird. Todd loves the birds. We get birds in here that'll just fly around. You imagine if you just start hearing something, and you're like, what is happening? And then a hole opens up in your house, and the guy's like, hey, it's my house, man. Like, who's going to fix that, right? And then out of the ceiling drops somebody on their mattress and just plops him right in front of Jesus. Faith is like boldness and action. It's not just an inward belief that hopefully something could happen. It is, I believe this, and I will act, and I will place myself into the place where God is working, where God is at, where something could happen. Like, Wherever there's something happening, I want to be in that place. Uh, in college, in Oklahoma City, late 90s, I don't know how many of you guys were around here in the late 90s, but um, there was like a real move of God in Oklahoma City in the late 90s. And there was worship, and there was like the presence of God was in these places. And me and, and uh, my buddies, one who's here today, we were just kind of like going like, where is God showing up? So let's go there. And so we were finding ourselves at Church of the Harvest, right? And Trent's playing, like, literally one of the most profound moments of my life. I was talking to Trent, and Trent was like, I was playing the drums. When that happened, like, we were literally in the same room 25 years ago when, when God, like, did something really profound in my life. Um, and we are going to, like, Dennis Jernigan, Night of Praise. Anybody? Anybody? Dennis Jernigan? Yeah. Those were awesome. I mean, the, it was, like, the only place I was, like, this is, like, the Baptists are all sneaking in here. And I'm, like, I know where you go to church. What are you doing here? You're, like, doing this. And you're going back to church. Like, I don't do that. Right? It was, like, we're all, it's, like, you had permission to, like, express in that place. Um, we had, like, a service, uh, a Gen X service. Any Gen Xers in here? Called Soul Asylum. Great name. It's amazing. I mean, we named things amazingly well. Soul Asylum. And it was just college kids. It was like college leaders, college preachers. You know, there was like Tuesday night Bible study with Greg, Craig Rochelle at uh, Council Road Baptist Church. And it was just like, I just found myself going like, where is God at? And I want to be there. Where is he showing up? I want to be there because wherever he's showing up, the possibilities for my life just expand exponentially. So Jesus sees their faith, it's love in action, your faith for the things that you need, both for yourself and for others, has to be lived. It has to be demonstrated. You, I need to be able to see your faith. And your faith is like, I've been fasting for my son. 
every Monday for the last two years. I've been praying. I show up early in the morning. I'm gathering people. I'm, I'm doing the stuff um, right, that, that would demonstrate to God. So the, the Bible says, uh, in, I think it's in Chronicles, where it says, the, uh, the eyes of the Lord search to and fro on the earth, searching for those who are faithful to him that he might strengthen them. He's searching the earth for faith. Right, because Jesus even says, he says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? That's what he's concerned with. Will he find faith? And so I have a, a, a buddy, John Tyson, he said, I've built my life to where I'm doing this. I'm like SOS signal to God. Strengthen me. I'm here. Like, he's like, I'm living by faith, and I'm just going like, God, I, I want to be strengthened. I want God to see my faith. But I, I love this, because what this story does uh, this morning is it, it shows us that wherever Jesus was, there's supernatural possibility. There, there's an inbreaking of the kingdom of God, right? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A window opens up. Wherever Jesus is, where the power that exists in the eternal with God forever and ever, no beginning, no end, it, it like opens up and it can pour out on human beings. And, and so I, I kind of have this idea that it's, a, it's like faith plus the presence of Jesus equals the possibility of breakthrough. And, th and that's what we need in life. We hit these moments where you're like, I have hit a wall. I have no options. I've spent all my money. I've, I've done everything. What I need is breakthrough of the kingdom of God. Where things that are not possible here become possible here because of who God is. Because of his power. Because of his glory. Because of his mercy. Because of his compassion. Because of his grace. Uh, Bill Johnson uses this metaphor of, of the greenhouse. I don't know how many gardeners we have in here. Uh, I'm not one of those. So, uh, But Annie and I recently, we were in North Carolina, and we got to go see the Biltmore uh, house. It's an amazing thing. They've got these amazing gardens. And then you walk in, and, and so all these gardens are all what can grow in North Carolina. In, in the climate, with the rainfall, and the heat, or the cold, in the mountains, it's all that is possible just in the natural. And then you walk into this greenhouse, and it's like a tropical forest. Because inside the greenhouse, they created a, an entirely different atmosphere than can exist in the natural outside of that. Bill Johnson said, that's what the church is. The church when centered on Jesus and his power and presence becomes like a greenhouse in the world where there are things that are possible in this room that are not possible anywhere else. Because the presence of Jesus promises to be in the midst of his people. He says where two or three are gathered, it doesn't take many. Wherever there are rooms where Christians are unified around the lordship of Jesus and a belief in his power and presence, he goes, these things are possible. Deliverance, salvation, healing, reconciliation, forgiveness, beauty, glory, like all the stuff of the Bible that you're so amazed by is available to any two or three Christians who are gathered in his name. What happens in these gatherings is just a force multiplier. That's it. So it's, it's not that bigger cry. It's just like wherever there's faith, it gets activated and it gets transferred. The faith that you don't have, the person next to you does. That's the beauty of the church. And we cover each other. But in this place, faith plus the presence of Jesus equals the possibility of breakthrough. It's, it's a greenhouse effect. Things can grow in this place like unity, love, forgiveness. 
that cannot exist in the world. And guess what? Most of our disappointment in the world is trying to make politics and government and school and your neighborhood into the church. You're, you're trying to force those things out there rather than cultivating it in here and trusting that what happens out here will actually leak into the world if this gets right. So I can't remember who said he says, first the church, then the world. If the church is not right, guess what? You, we got no business going into the world telling them how to live if we don't have the kingdom here. So, in the greenhouse, the light is different, the air is different, the moisture is different, everything is different. It's this special place. So I was just asking myself a question this morning. What if the church, rather than trying to win a culture war or control the world, what if the church focused on cultivating an atmosphere where faith can grow? Where faith can be received, it can be imparted and where the spectrum of possibility gets changed, our imagination actually begins to change about what's possible. So this morning, whether you knew it or not, you entered a greenhouse. Um, this place, um, things are different, and many times people actually walk in this room and feel it, not because we're really awesome, but because in this place we have cultivated a pursuit of the presence of Jesus for long enough that it hits people different. And so we have people who come here and they go, I, I, I wept my first Sunday here. And I was like, yeah, that's the presence of Jesus. Because we have asked him to meet us over and over and over and over again. That's what we do. It is our aim. We spent years cultivating a different atmosphere in this room. I, I kind of had this imagination that it's like if you could see in the spirit realm, there was a giant duct in this ceiling that runs all the way to heaven. And our goal every, every time we gather here is just to open that thing wide open and say, Jesus, come with heaven here. Like, bring your kingdom in this room, just this morning, in this room, as it is in heaven. And so I was thinking about that. Because of that, what every single person in this room has an opportunity to do this morning is to take advantage of the atmosphere that is here and to plant something in the spiritual realm today. To take your need and to match it with a physical response of faith. To ask the Holy Spirit, here's what I need, here's what I want, here's what I'm desperate for. And allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you inside to say, okay, take a step in this way. Like, make a vow. I love the Bible because it's like this Nazarite vow that people would take. What was that about? It was about consecrating your life to God to show Him. You're like, I'm going to demonstrate God how much I want you. I'm willing to shave my head and stop drinking wine and do all this. I'm willing to pay the price in the physical realm to gain a spiritual victory. That's what I want. I'm going to ask the band to come back up because I think we just need to, um, this morning, uh, we don't need to talk about this too much. I think we just need to practice. We just need to, um, as Lance says, do the stuff. It's twice. got to do the stuff. John Wimber. Thank you, Jesus. Um, and one of the things that, that hit this week was it's just a couple things. Like just this morning, friends, I, I got a text from just some of my greatest friends who are just heartbroken over their, uh, like one of their adult children. Just heartbroken, confused, desperate. And, and I, I, I just received this text and I'm like, literally, I have nothing earthly I can give you. I just, I don't have any advice. I don't have any wisdom. What I can do is Pray. I can pray. I can bring them in the spirit to Jesus. I can like literally like if you could see in your mind's eye, like I can pick them up in the spirit and I can walk them and just be like, Jesus, we, tr 
We got nothing else. This paralyzed man is not going to walk unless you touch him. Like, and isn't it interesting? Prayer is putting the responsibility back where it belongs. Cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. So guess what? The, the lack of prayer or the lack of pursuit or the lack of activation of faith is actually saying, this is my responsibility, Jesus. I'm going to carry this guy around until something changes. And he's like, you don't have to carry that around. Bring it to me. Let me take care of it. This week, we got uh, just a devastating cancer diagnosis of a friend. I mean, just you just stare in the face like, oh and children, and a wife, and just a terminal diagnosis that there's no hope. My first thought was like, God, help us get him here where we can lay hands and pray for him. Because wherever you are, there's possibilities. I don't know if he'll do it, but I've gotten to the point in my life where I'm like, I refuse to let those things go without saying like, hey, we're going to (laughs) try. We're going to pray. We're going to ask And what Satan wants you to do is he wants you to stay back holding your stuff. He doesn't want you to come to the middle and just say, God, Jesus, take it. And so this morning, the invitation is to bring your need into the presence of Jesus. To actually, like, name, name the thing, admit it, acknowledge it, be honest about the thing that you cannot fix. Um, And you've been trying maybe for so long. And to actually go, Jesus, here it is. And you might need to actually, like, come to the altar this morning like this. Like you might need to demonstrate, I, I have a burden and I am bringing it and I'm going to lay it down at his feet. And so we're just going to sing for a while and worship and pray. I'm going to open the altars. If you want to pray by yourself, you just want to bring something to Jesus, you can just do it here and we'll leave you alone just to, just to be with him, just to lay it at his feet. We're going to have prayer team uh, around the edges. If you have a burden where you're like, hey, I, need, I know I need prayer. To one of our prayer team ministers, they've been trained to pray for people. I promise you, it's amazing what God can do when you let somebody else pray in faith over your life. Um, so I want you to stand to your feet. Would you close your eyes and pray with me? Again, this could be two different things, right? This could be your need that you're actually bringing to God, or it could be another, like you're bringing somebody else by faith to God and saying, God, I, I try to control this. I try to fix it. I try to manage it. I've tried everything. Um, I want to surrender this person, this situation. faith. Let's get him to Jesus. That's the goal. Let's get him to Jesus. Let's get him to Jesus. Now the hard thing about those days is there was only one physical form of Jesus. So you either got to that house or you didn't. The beautiful thing now is Jesus in his presence can reach anywhere. So you can bring someone this morning in the spirit to the altar and it can hit that person today. Like while you're praying, his presence can reach that person doesn't obey the laws of time and space. Jesus is king, even over the universe and the laws that govern this world. He can be here and there at the same moment. But can I encourage you this morning?
this morning. Don't let your faith just be a thing you think about it. Activate it in some way in the physical. Demonstrate it through sacrifice, through movement, through surrender, through some form of new habit of fasting or prayer. seven times before it falls. There's something about the walking, the activation of the movement and the action that that mattered. He wants to see your faith. He wants to see it. Yeah. So ask the Holy Spirit right now, Holy Spirit, what does it look like for me to activate my faith in Jesus? What do I need to do? Maybe it's come to the altar right now. Maybe it's get prayer. Maybe it's walk out to the front lawn and make a phone call. I don't know what it is, but he does. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to invite you just to come to the altars, come for prayer, respond in whatever way the Holy Spirit leads you. We're just going to sing and worship for a while, and I just encourage you. His presence is available as we do these things. I just want you to know his supernatural presence is available to you this morning. He says, come and drink. Come and eat. Come all you who are thirsty and hungry. Take. Yeah. So Jesus, right now, we acknowledge this moment as a holy moment, as a sacred moment, as a moment that is pregnant with the possibilities of your kingdom breaking through. So I ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would manifest the presence of Jesus inside of people in this room right now. I pray that whether it would be I felt hot or tingly or I felt sweaty or I felt like I was going to jump out of my skin or I just felt peace felt hope rising up in me, God, would you bring to bear your reality in this room this morning? Because we don't want to just kick the can down the road around all of our needs and all of our desires and all of our pain and all of our wounds and all of the lies, God. We want you. And Lord, there are so many burdens being carried in this room this morning and your word to every single person is bring them to me. Bring them to me and lay them down. If your backpack is full of rocks, he's like, bring that backpack and let me just remove them one by one. Just remove the weight because his burden is light and his yoke is kind. That's who Jesus is. So Jesus, we love you. We thank you for forgiveness of sins. We thank you for the possibility of reconciliation. We thank you, Jesus, for the possibility of physical healing. We thank you for the possibility of deliverance. This morning that at, at your name, Jesus, the demons flee. And so, Lord, all of the possibilities around you, I pray that you would make them available to human 
want to sing, Jesus, about who you are. We want to tell you that we do love you and we love your presence, not just because of what you do, but because of who you are. We love to be with you and you love to be with us. And your church is a bride who is desperately in love with her groom. We love you, Jesus. This is all for you. You're the guest of honor in this meeting. You are the center. You're the door. You're the gate for the sheep, Jesus. You're the living one. You're the alpha and omega. You're the beginning and the end. You're the first and the last. You're the firstborn from the dead. It's your name. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord forever and evermore. You deserve all glory, all honor, all power, all wealth, all wisdom, all dominion. They all belong to you, Jesus. And so today, we lay down our lives. We cast our crowns at your feet because you are worthy. And we will allow you today to tend to our needs. To tend to the desperate places in our lives. Because you love us more than we can imagine. you, Jesus. We honor you. Holy Spirit, would you blow through this room this morning? Would you blow through this room this morning? Wind of God, fire of God, fall. Friends, he says, ask of me this morning. Ask of me. Ask of me. You have not because you ask not. Do not be afraid to ask this morning for more than what you could even imagine or conceptualize. Yeah, so come Holy Spirit. Let's sing and worship. The altars are open. Our prayer team will be down front. Grab a friend.